0: Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Well now we're going to look at uh, Romans chapter 9, verses 25 through 33. We've been discussing the uh, the Bible doctrine of election, and um, I thought I'd read to you a little passage of what the the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, said concerning uh, the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. It said, when the English preacher, uh, Charles Spurgeon, was asked how he reconciled the doctrines of uh, of divine election and human responsibility, he replied, I don't. Uh, for I never try to reconcile friends. Uh, the point he was making is they are both true. The sovereignty of God and the human responsibility our free will of man. Uh, if Spurgeon believed that, then I'm in good company because that's what I believe. And uh, what we see taught in Romans chapter 9 is the major emphasis is upon Uh, the divine election of God, the sovereignty of God. And when we get into chapter 10, we'll see the emphasis on the responsibility of man. Uh, As we look at uh, Romans chapter 9, uh, the Apostle Paul is speaking primarily to Jews, to Israel, Israelites. And he says in verse 25, and he saith also in uh, Hosea, he's talking about the little minor prophet Hosea, The book of Hosea in the Old Testament. And he saith, God does, also in Hosea, I will call them my people. Who's he talking about them? He's speaking of Israel. Which were not my people. And uh, her beloved, which was not beloved. Now, when you read the book of Hosea, you find out the Lord told Hosea to marry a prostitute. Her name was Gomer. Uh, They went on to have some children. And they named them different things. But the bottom line was that, um, that that Gomer symbolized the nation of Israel who had been unfaithful to God. And uh, in one place, God says, uh, they're not my people anymore. But in another place, he says, they are my people. Now, which is it? Uh, is Israel God's people or not their people? Well, a portion of them is his people, but not the whole nation because the whole nation went into idolatry, but there remained some that were uh, true believers, and they're called the remnant. Now, let's read on in verse 26, and it uh, shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, unto Israel, uh, ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. So it looks like God has, uh, you know, divorced Israel and doesn't want anything else to do with them, just like uh, Hosea, uh, you know, uh, and and Gomer, uh, she was unfaithful and whatever. But, you know, uh, actually Israel is depicted in the book of Hosea as God's wife. Uh, don't confuse Israel and the church. The church is the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. Israel is God's wife, and Gomer symbolized that in the book of, of Hosea. You've got to read it to get the full picture, but uh, again, the bottom line is God said, I'm going to, where they were not my people, I'm going to restore them, and they will be my people, uh, and that is going to happen in the at the end of the tribulation period when they receive Jesus Christ of Nazareth as their Messiah. Uh, It's not happened yet, but the day is coming when Israel will be restored in their land. They will be the head of nations and not the tail. That will all transpire in the kingdom age, the 1,000 year millennium. Verse 27, so he uses uh, the Old Testament prophet uh, Hosea, first of all, as an illustration of Israel's unfaithfulness, but then God Uh, because he loves them and has a plan for them, uh, would restore them. Verse 27, Isaiah or Isaiah, also cried concerning Israel. Uh, Though the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, here it is, a remnant, a portion, uh, a group, shall be saved. So a portion out of Israel will be saved. And, of course, he'll talk about this more, uh, Paul will, in Romans chapter 11. Um, and now, notice what it says. Isaiah prophesies this. This is in the Old Testament. For he, God, will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And Isaiah, Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, that's the remnant, a small portion of true believers out of the large portion of Israel we had been a Sodoma and been made like unto Gomorrah this is speaking how God destroyed all the people in Sodom and Gomorrah if God had not left a little portion and that portion were those that by faith believed in God Uh, we have those uh, mentioned in in, um, Hebrews chapter 11 so God is saying here I'm going to restore Israel because of the faith of a few And, of course, that's what uh, uh, he is going to do. Uh, Let's go on to uh, verse 30. What shall we say then that the Gentiles, what's followed not after righteousness, they didn't have the law, have attained to righteousness? Are we going to say that? Even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, what's followed after the law of righteousness, they had the law, they followed after it, Hath not attained the law of righteousness? Is that what, what we're saying? And the answer is yes. Well, what's the difference? The difference is the Gentiles sought God by faith. The Jews sought, did not seek God by faith. They sought him by trying to keep the law of which they were incapable of keeping. Nobody can. They went went about to establish their own righteousness. He talks about this in chapter 10, verse 3. For they, Israel, being ignorant of God's, verse 3, Romans 10, 3. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. The Gentiles saw that they could not be righteous, so they submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. The Jews, Israel, thought they could be righteous. And they did not submit to the righteousness of God. Therefore, the major portion of Israel uh, were and are lost today, unsaved. Except there is a remnant that does seek God after righteousness, who admit they have no righteousness of their own, whether we are Jew or Gentile, we're, uh, Jew, Gentile, we are all guilty of sin before God, and the only way we can be forgiven is to submit to His righteousness by our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Verse 32, Romans 9, wherefore, Because they sought it not by faith. Israel sought it not by faith. They sought it by good works, by trying to keep the law, like a lot of people do today. A lot of people think, well, I can please God by keeping all the law and I'll make myself righteous. No, you can't because your righteousness and my righteousness our self-righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. We've got to submit ourselves to God's righteousness by putting our total faith in Christ. Because they, Israel, sought it not by faith, verse 32, but as it were by the works of the law. They they, they tried to keep the law. And and, and notice he says here, for they, Israel, stumbled at the stumbling stone. Who's they? That's Israel. Uh, Who's the stumbling stone? That's Jesus Christ. It's like a a man walking somewhere and there's a stone and he trips and falls over the stone. That's what Israel did. They tripped and fell over the cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, That is a, uh, that's an illustration uh, of how that uh, uh, he came into his own and his own received him not. They, They stumbled. Why? Because they were not walking by faith. They were walking by sight, trying to keep the law. And so when God sent him their Messiah, they rejected him and crucified him. Verse 33, as it is written, behold, I lay in Sion, that would be Jerusalem, a stumbling stone, that's Jesus, a rock of offense, that's Jesus, he's the rock of our salvation, not an offense to us, to believers, but an offense to the unbelievers, especially Israel. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So notice it's whosoever is not speaking to Israel or to the Gentiles. It's speaking to everybody. Whosoever. So if you believe on him, to believe on Christ is to put your total confidence and faith in him, not in yourself, you'll not be ashamed. You'll not be confused. You'll not be confounded. But Israel was confounded because they fell. And when 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 the stone came, when uh, the rock of their salvation come, they rejected the rock rather than received the rock, which is Jesus. He said, "Upon this rock I will build my church." They rejected him, and therefore they're still lost today. The nation of Israel is. They're back in the land. They're they're back as a nation, but they're back as a secular nation and back in unbelief. But the day will come after they've suffered. The, the worst time in their history, worse than the, uh, than the Holocaust, that's the tribulation period, the last three and a half years. The Bible says there's never been a time like it, never will ever be a time like it. It will be the time of Jacob or Israel's trouble. And then at the end of it, Christ will come back, they'll recognize him, and a nation shall be born in a day. Now, we've talked about uh, the uh, the sovereignty of God. And uh, we said there's two options. Either either God chose us upon his foreknowledge of whether we would believe or not believe. That's possible. I'm not saying that's not possible. Uh, but it still, you know, leaves questions unanswered. Does it look like, uh, why did he... Uh, if he, do that, if he did choose us upon his foreknowledge, he knew that whether we would believe or not. Uh, it, it seems a little bit, you know, uh, unfair uh, because we don't have anything to say about it. Uh, it, it, it makes us just, you know, uh, victims, so to speak, of God's choice. I can understand why people wonder about that, because it does. It leaves some, some questions. Although, who are we to respond against God? God can do what he wants to. He's sovereign. That's That seems to be the answer of some uh, that uh, believe in the sovereignty of God. God can do what he wants to. Well, that's absolutely true. But you know something about God? God is also reasonable. And God is also perfectly just and perfectly fair. And uh, could there be one other possibility uh, for God choosing some and not choosing others? And I've already alluded to it before, but I'll mention it one more time. You're not going to hear this. You're not going to read this in any commentaries. You're not going to hear any preacher uh, deal with this because it seems a little far out. I admit it. And um, uh, it does not affect your salvation one way or the other. You know, uh, what affects your salvation or what affects you going to heaven is your total faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. But it's interesting to speculate on these things. Remember I said there was a, a a spirit world that preceded the physical world. I believe there was a spirit world, and in that spirit world existed all the angels God created and all the human spirits. All right? Again, I'm just giving you my belief. Okay, then when in, in Genesis 1 1, when the Bible says, and in, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then that invisible spirit world uh, was made visible into a material world, and God created everything that we see today. And then, when He created Adam, the Bible says, God breathed into His nostrils the breath of life, which is. The spirit, the breath there, the word, uh, Hebrew word is, is, means, uh, breath means spirit. God breathed into, uh, Adam. There was his body. He breathed into him a spirit and he became a living soul. So you have the body, uh, soul and spirit there in Adam. But the spirit and soul evidently existed before, uh, at least the spirit did before he became a living soul. Because God breathed into him the Spirit, which means the Spirit came from God. All spirits come from God according to the Bible. And all spirits go back to God according to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. The Spirit returns to God uh, who gave it. Now, my hypothetical uh, explanation uh, is that when God created all the spirits, we we know that a third of the angels rebelled against God with Lucifer, and they became the fallen angels. You can read about this in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, I I believe that is true. And I believe the demons that are upon the earth today are the fallen angels. There's some that are that are incarcerated right now, but I, I don't want to deal with that. But uh, all the demons that, and I believe in the demon world, it's unseen, but so is electricity, and and uh, so is wind, uh, but they still exist. A lot of things are unseen that still have existence. Um, and I've already dealt with that. But, could it be that when God created all the angels, and the Bible says they are spirits, and, uh, When God created that spirit world, and in that spirit world existed angels, different classifications of angels, seraphims, cherubims, whatever, but also all of the spirits of human beings existed before God made the first man Adam. I believe that's the case. Would it be possible then that God in some way gave all human spirits the same free will that he gave to all the angels? And a third of them exercised their free will against God, rebelled against God, and became fallen angels. Would it be possible that, that all the human spirits were given the same opportunity to exercise their free world, their, their free will in the spirit world, and some chose to follow God and some chose not to follow God? Then when God made the physical world, all those spirits come into the bodies of human beings And some of them that had chosen to accept God becomes your believers in the material world. Those that in the spirit world decided not to accept God becomes your unbelievers. Now, I've been preaching a long time and I do know this. There are some people that just do not respond to the gospel. And you wonder why they don't. I mean, they can hear it preached. You know, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it, it seems like the vast majority of humanity don't get it, don't want it. Why is that? You say, well, that's just the rebellious uh, of, uh, of man. No, it seems like it's deeper than that. It's, it's It seems like it's in the spirit realm. It seems like there are some people who are just, um, you know, they're, they just do not want to either accept God as you know a reality or they just don't want to accept God as Bible. They just don't want anything to do with it. They're just living for today. And nothing can change them. Why is that? And then you have some people that, you know, uh, they hear the gospel. They, they receive it uh, and uh, they believe it and they put their trust in Christ. You know, why is it that some do and some don't? I'm just suggesting to you, I'm not saying this is the way it is, I'm saying the decision could have been made in the spirit world, carried out into the physical world and that's why some are receptive and some are not. Could be. If that's the case then that would mean that, uh, that God chose us because we chose him in the spirit world and then it carries over to the Uh, the um, physical world, and that's why we believe upon him, because we accepted him in the spirit world. It's a possibility. Don't rule it out. Otherwise, the only other answer is, in God's foreknowledge, he saw who was going to believe and who was not going to believe, and so therefore, um, that's how he made his decision. There, Of course, there's one other possibility. God didn't have to make a decision. He just does what he wants, and, and we can like it or lump it, and, uh, and there it is. Of course, there's also all kinds of varieties of other, you know, some say, well, God chose and, and predestined some to go to heaven, some to go to hell. I just have a hard time believing that a fair, just God would do that. Uh, now, the argument against my theory here is that if we had the opportunity to choose God in the uh, in the uh, uh, spirit world then that makes uh, God responding to us instead of us responding to him uh, not necessarily it makes sure makes God you know look like a, a fair and just person if he give all the spirits the opportunity to receive him in the spirit world and those that did will receive him in the physical world. Those that didn't will not. And and God would still be, you know, just, and it would answer a lot of questions. I know this is not going to satisfy everybody, but I thought I would share it with you. You know, I'm at the age now, I've been preaching now for about 45 years, and, and uh, uh, I, I want to, you know, I want to please God. And uh, I've read a tremendous amount of books, and I'm not being proud about that. Uh, and I'm not saying that I'm the first one to come up with this with this theory. Uh, there's probably been others, uh, and uh, it's just that to me it's a possibility. You know why? Because one of these days, uh, when we die, we that are saved are going to go to the spirit world. We're not going to a physical world. We're going to a spirit world. Uh, our bodies are going to stay here in this physical world, but when a believer dies, their soul and spirit goes to a spirit world. That's just that's what the Bible teaches, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the uh, with the Lord. Now, again, there are, I'm sure, a lot of questions. I'm not trying to be philosophical here. I'm trying to be scriptural as much as I can. But I, you know, I just see that God makes his choices on the basis of reason, I think. Um, you know, the Bible says, God says, come, let us reason together. Uh that is a possibility uh, of what Romans chapter 9 uh, is saying. But, you know, you you can't please everybody with your thoughts and your ideas. Uh, it's, it's what I believe, uh, but more important than that, I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins, that he paid my sin debt, and I put my complete faith and trust in him. I'm going to die believing that and trusting that. Uh, Whatever else I have interjected here is simply some of my ideas and my theory. But uh, I've got scripture for that. And uh, I hope you've received him as your savior. Remember, it won't make a bit of difference whether uh, what you believe about how God does things and how things and how God acts and why God does what he does and whatever. The important thing is if God said it, you put your faith and trust in it. though you may not understand it all, you know, some some guy said, well, I don't understand how a brown cow can eat green grass and give white milk. I don't either, but they do. Uh, So there's a lot of things we don't understand in this world, but uh, we don't have to have a complete understanding of God and all of his acts in order to believe his word. And that's what I want you to do. That's what I've done, and I hope you have as well. God bless you.